Well, good morning. Uh, this morning we're concluding our sermon series entitled Overwhelmed. Well, wouldn't you agree with me that wise people make calculated risks? They consider the odds before making an investment, an investment of their time, their money, investment of their energy, even their reputation. They want to make sure that the reward is worth the risk. They want to consider their odds, right? Well, this morning we want to consider the odds of life. I did a little research this week, and it should be no surprise that some of the worst odds are in Las Vegas. If you play roulette, the house, the casino will win 5.26%. That means if you're at a $5 table and you spend uh, 30 times an hour and you play for four hours, you're going to walk away $31 poorer. That's just a fact. Now, if you play slot machines, the house is going to win twice that much. Sometimes it's set up to, to win three and four times that much. It's like putting your money in the slot machine, waving to it goodbye, and say, there it is, take it, it's yours. The lottery. <laughs> Even worse. If you drive 10 miles to buy a lottery ticket, 10 miles to buy a lottery ticket, you are 24,000 times more likely to get in an auto, auto accident and 980 times more likely to be struck by lightning than you are to win the lottery. You are throwing your money away. Save it. Here's a couple of odds, a couple of odds that I thought you may find of interest. Chance of dying in an airplane accident are 354,000 to 1. Odds of being on a plane with a drunken pilot, 117 to 1. I think there's some correlation there. Chance of drowning in a bathtub are 685,000 to 1. Now, I'm going to read you a footnote on this because I thought this was, this was very insightful. A bathtub, 685,000 to 1. Here's the footnote. It says, alcohol and drug use may increase the risk. Hello. Odds of striking it rich on antiques roadshow, 60,000 to 1. For single people, for single people only, the odds of dating a millionaire are 215 million, or excuse me, 215 to 1. The odds of dating a supermodel are 88,000 to 1. Single people, there's still hope. There's still hope for you guys. A uh, chance of an American home having at least one carton of ice cream in your freezer, nine out of every ten. You're more likely to be killed by a vending machine than you are a shark. Having a vending machine topple over you or 112 million to one. Have, being killed by a shark is 250 million to one. All right, last one. And I'm surprised at this statistic considering yesterday. But the odds or the probability of the Gamecocks beating Clemson this year are 100%. Just a... Yeah. All the Clemson fans are walking out. Allow me to share a story with you about a, about a guy whose odds were stacked against him. As a young boy, this guy named Sparky, he was a little socially awkward 
he didn't have a lot of friends. It wasn't that people disliked him. He, he just, people didn't know who he was. He just kind of blended in. He didn't do well in school either. In eighth grade, he failed every single subject. In high school, he failed Latin. He failed algebra. He failed English. He failed physics with a zero average. That's hard to do. Sports, he didn't do much better. He was cut from every single every single team he ever went out for but there was one team he made it was the golf team and the only reason he made the golf team they were short a player nobody else went out so they took him he played in two golf matches the first golf match he loses so they have a consolation golf match just for the losers guess what he loses again there's no way of knowing how he would do it dating because his four years of high school he never not one single time asked a girl out you know why fear of rejection Sparky by his own admission was a loser he knew it his classmates knew it everyone knew it so he rolled with it however there was one thing that was important to Sparky and that was drawing he was proud of his artwork but no one else appreciated it he uh, he submitted to the editor of his yearbook his senior year some illustrations well they were they were turned down so later on he decided to contact Walt Disney Studios and they they encouraged him to put a portfolio together and send it to them he worked hard on that portfolio he drew and he worked hard and he thought it was absolutely perfect he sends it to Walt Disney Studios and a month later he gets a letter and guess what It was turned down again. Another loss for a loser. So Sparky decided to write his autobiography in cartoons. He described his underachieving childhood in illustrations. Well, the cartoon became famous worldwide. For Sparky, who was rejected again and again and again was none other than Charles Schultz the creator of peanuts and that cartoon character whose kite would never fly and who never succeeded in kicking a football was Charlie Brown have you ever felt like Charles Schultz have you ever felt like Charlie Brown where nothing goes your way life's against you every single day there's a new battle well this morning I want to talk to you on how to handle the battles in your life one of the greatest examples of this is in second chronicles chapter 20 this is literally an amazing story it's an incredible story it's one of my favorite stories in the bible the story goes like this there's these three enemy very powerful enemies of israel they decide if they get together and combine armies they can defeat israel what's the odds three to one right well the king at the time of for Israel was a guy by the name of Jehoshaphat now you would think that this would be a story of defeat a story of devastation but in fact it was not because Jehoshaphat actually wins the battle because he does everything right now some of us are some of us are in financial battles there's a layoff at work you're afraid you're gonna be next you have just enough money to 
to float the bills to the end of the month, and then you find out that, wow, my kids need braces. My car needs a transmission. Some of us are in a, a relationship battle. Your marriage is hanging on by a thread, and you don't know what to do. You've tried everything. Your kids, they're out of control. They're keeping you up both physically and emotionally. Some of us are in a health battle. You've gone to the doctor for just a routine checkup. The doctor saw something he wasn't quite sure about, so he sends you to a specialist. They run some more tests. Immediately, they call you back and say, you need to get in and you were not prepared for the results. You know the battle you're in. You fill in the blanks. Now, how do we handle those battles of life? The first thing that you need to do is you need to turn to God. You need to go to God and say, God, God, I need you. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I knew that. That's not real deep. We're in church. We know we should go to God first. But here's the question. Do you? You know, for me, as a pastor, you would think the first thing that I would do would I'd go to God in everything that I do, but that's not true. When I face a, a problem or an obstacle, a battle in life, the first thing I do, it comes natural, is I map out a plan, I get everybody together, and we execute the plan. What do we call that? Men, we try to fix it. We try to fix the problem. So when the problem, and it, it fails, and our, our, we, we kind of tweak it again, and we execute it again, and then it fails again, you'd think by now I've learned to go to God first. But I don't. Then if it fails enough, I go to God and say, God, I need you. And God says, I've been here the whole time, so the first thing you need to do is go to God first. You need to say, God, what do you think I should do in this situation? You see, you need God's perspective. You see, your perspective is limited, but God's perspective is eternal. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future all at one time. Too often, prayer, turning to God, we see that as a last resort instead of a first choice. How many of you have either said this or have heard this? I want you to raise your hand. How many of you have either said this or heard this? I guess all we can do now is pray. It should be your first choice, not your last resort. All right, let's look at the story. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It says, after this, say that with me, after this, the Moabites, Ammonites, with some of the Menunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Alarmed, say alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire to the Lord. Say, inquire to the Lord. All right. It says, after this, there came a battle. After this. After what? Well, you got to go back to the previous chapter, chapter 19, because Israel experienced a great revival, a spiritual awakening. Times were good, joy, blessing. And then it says, after this, there came a battle. We all know the principle, for every high, there's a low. For every mountaintop, there's a valley. For every blessing, there's a testing. Now, you may not be in a battle right now, but you're going to be. 
It may be tomorrow, it may be the next day or the next day or the next day, but you will be in a battle. You may be in a time of blessing right now, soaring, a mountaintop, but you're going to come off that mountain soon enough. So you need to expect blessings in your life. You also need to expect battles in your life. Hey, notice the king's reaction. It says what? He was alarmed. He was afraid. Three of the most powerful armies in the world at the time were going to attack. Of course he's going to be afraid. The issue is not fear. Fear is normal. The issue is what do you do with that fear? When you're afraid in the situation, when you're overwhelmed, when you're stressed out, do not let fear demotivate you, destabilize you, discourage you, depress you. Never let, and let me repeat that, never let an impossible situation intimidate you. Let it motivate you. How? Let it motivate you to pray more. Let it motivate you to trust more. Let it motivate you to expect more from God. Let it motivate you to depend more on God. So the first step is what? Turn to God. The second step is talk to God. There's no problem. There's no problem that's too big for God, and there's also no problem too insignificant for God. Look at verse 5. It said, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem. This is everybody. This is the whole nation of Israel at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, what's he doing here? He's talking to God. I want you to picture with me when you're in those battles of life, when you're overwhelmed, when you're stressed out, odds are against you. What's your prayer life look like? It comes alive, doesn't it? It's never been more real. Jehoshaphat, he goes to the Lord, he turns to the Lord, and he prays. And in his prayer, he gives us three things, three principles that we need to be praying when we face these times of trouble. The first principle is this. Remind yourself who God is. Remind yourself of who God is. Verse 6 says, The Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nation of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Before you talk to God about the problem, you need to focus on God. You need to remind yourself that God is bigger than any problem that you ever face. You say, God, you're all powerful. God, nothing is too hard for you. God, with you, all things are possible. God, you rule over the kingdoms and the nations. You know what's so amazing to me when you read this story is, is Jehoshaphat is knowing that these armies are, are, are about to attack. Instead of panicking, what's the first thing that he does? He stops. And he turns to God. And he prays. So remind yourself of who God is. Second principle, remind yourself of what he's done in the past. Remember the blessings in your life. Remember the miracles that he has done in your life. Look at verse 7. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel? Now he's going all the way back to Moses and Joshua. He's saying, God, 
Didn't you give us this land in the first place? God, didn't you do miracles to get us here? And then the third principle is ask God to do it again. Verse 12 says, Our God, will you not judge them? Another translation says, Oh God, will you not save us? Oh God, will you not stop them? He said, how about an instant replay, God? How about a repeat performance? Do it again. That's how you pray when you're facing these battles of life. Regardless of the situation, remind yourself who God is. Remind yourself what he's done in the past. And then you ask God to do it again. Once you've done that, you're ready to talk to God about the problem. And that's the third step. Be transparent with God. You need to be open. You need to be honest with God. Guys, he already knows your heart. Look at verse 12. Jehoshaphat is going to the Lord in prayer, and he says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Have you ever felt that way? I'm just, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I don't have a clue. You start the beginning of the week, and you think to yourself, man, I got this thing. I got it. But then by Wednesday, you're like, God, I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And then by Friday, you're like, God, I can't take another week of this. I finished. I quit. Can I be transparent with you this morning? Let me tell you something. Nobody, nobody loves their job more than I love my job. I love my job. I love coming to work in the morning. In fact, my problem is I stay too late. I love my job. I think it's the greatest job in the world. I love the people that I work with. I love you. I praise God every single day that he allows me to serve him in full-time Christian ministry. I love my job. But let me be honest with you. I don't know how many times that I've been praying in the morning during my quiet time and I'm praying over my schedule and I'm praying over people and I'm praying over circumstances and all of a sudden I begin to get overwhelmed. I get tired and I get exhausted and I literally scream out to God, God, I quit. And God says, Scott, you feel better now? I said, yeah, I feel really good now. He said, good, get to work. That's a normal reaction, people. That's normal. It's interesting when you compare verse 12, where he says, we have no power, to verse 6, where he says, God, you have all the power. You see, guys, you don't need any power as long as God has all the power. You just need to trust him, and he'll take care of you. When you do that, you're ready for step four. Step four is trust God to help you. I'm going to reread verse 12. It says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Well, we don't know what to do. Can, can you relate to that? I'm facing a power. I'm at my wit's end. I'm at a point of desperation. I don't know what to do. Can, you understand what I'm saying? Can you relate? But listen to the third, the third part of that verse. It says, but our eyes are on isn't that great? Say that with me. But our eyes are on 
you. The biggest mistake that people make when we're overwhelmed is we focus on the problem. We don't focus on God first. You know, over the years I've done a lot of counseling and it seems like a common theme that I face is when somebody comes into my office, they come to me and say, hey, I'm, I'm stressed out, I'm overwhelmed, I have these problems that I, I don't know what to do about, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm ready to throw it in, I'm ready to quit. You've probably felt that way at some point in your life. And you know how many times I've pulled out a sheet of paper and I've drawn a line down the middle and I said, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to write down all the problems, all the things that, that are keeping you up at night. I want you to write these, those things down on the left side of the paper. And they begin writing. And they will come up with two, maybe three, maybe the most four problems that they're facing right now. And then I say, now look at the right side of the paper. I want you to write down all the things. How has God blessed you? What's some of the things that God's done in your life that you've seen him work? And they start writing. And they start writing. And they start writing. They turn the page over and they're still writing. You see, there's no, there's no comparison. One of my favorite quotes is by Corey Ken Boone. It says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. I love that quote. Isn't that a great quote? What are you focused on right now? Are you discouraged? Are you overwhelmed? If so, it's not God. Because there's no way that you can be discouraged. There's no way you can be overwhelmed and focus on God at the same time. It is literally impossible. When you trust God, notice, notice God's response in verse 15. He says, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but whose? It's God's. It's God. God says, relax, relax. Trust me, I'm going to help you. The reason that we're fatigued all the time, the reason that we're tired all the time, is we're trying to fight battles that don't belong to us, they belong to God. We say, I will make this thing work. I will save my marriage. I will turn around my kids. I will resolve my financial difficulties. I will make, make, make myself successful. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And God said, shut it. Those aren't your battles. They're mine. It's like this. You go down to the, to the Columbia Metropolitan Airport, and you get on a 747. And you sit down in your seat, and then the pilot gets on and says, Attention, attention, we'll be taking off in just a few minutes. So all of a sudden, the plane is taxiing down the runway. And you jump out of your seat, and you begin flapping as hard as you can, and you're flapping away. You're, and then you get on one foot, and you're flapping away. What happens? Well, you get arrested, probably. But anyway, <laughs> now, but you're flapping away, and the flight attendant runs over to you and says, What are you doing? And you're like, Hey, I'm trying to help this plane get off the ground. And you're flapping away. You're flapping away. And she says, sir, you need to sit down. And you said, no, I can't sit down. I'm committed to this thing. I'm going to get this plane off the ground. And she says, sir, you need to sit down and trust the pilot. No, I can't trust the pilot. I got to do this on my own. Inevitably, what happens? The plane takes off. And you're flapping away. And you're flapping away. 
and you're flat and away and you collapse in your chair you're tired guess what the plane keeps going you need to quit trying and start trusting now some of you have been flapping for a long time now you're tired you're exhausted and you think God I quit God says congratulations it's about time maybe now I can do something in your life you see as long as you're trying to help God you are still trying to control things you cannot help God God can help you so trust God he'll help you let go and let God now this is a very unusual battle verse 17 says you will not have to fight this battle take up your positions then it says what stand firm stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you now what kind of battle is this you don't have to fight so if you don't have to fight then what do you have to do stand firm I'm not going to get ahead of God but I'm also not going to back down either I'm going to stay put and watch God work I'm going to stand firm one of the most important truths in life that you will ever learn is this it is never God's will for you to back down from a difficult situation never you know why because it's going to keep coming up again and again and again until you learn to trust God and address the situation what do you stand firm on verse 20 tells us it says have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld have faith in his prophets and you will be successful do you want to be upheld do you want to be successful how two things have faith in the Lord your God that means have faith in the character of God and secondly have faith in his prophets that refers back to have faith in God's word have faith in the scripture have faith in the promises of God did you know there's over 7,000 promises of God so have faith and trust God so the first step is what turn to God second step is talk to God third step be transparent with God fourth step trust God to help you and now the fifth step and this is going to sound, sound strange the fifth step is thank God in advance for the victory thank God in advance verse 21 says this Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for his splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever now this is a very unusual way to fight a battle what God is asking us to do is to put the choir in front of the fighting men do you get that picture this 
there's this large mountain range and there's three enemies of Israel very powerful enemies of Israel are about to do battle against the Israelites and then down below there's a valley and then you have these lowly Israelites you got the picture and then Jehoshaphat he comes up to everybody and he goes all right guys gather around everybody all right here's God's plan do you guys sing then he takes those guys that sing and he sends them out into the battle before the fighting men so they're out there singing thanks be to God I'm making this up for your love endures now you know why I don't sing in the choir for your love endures forever thanks be to God and they're out there bouncing around can you imagine David Strode out there leading them bouncing around thanks to God for your love endures forever and you know what's happening here the enemy armies are going what is going on the Israelite army said I, I don't know what is going on even the choir is saying I don't know what's going on but don't miss this this is important there's symbolism here there's symbolism here they were thanking God in advance for the victory you see if if you thank God after the problem solved that's gratitude but if you thank God during the battle or even before the battle that's faith notice what happened look at the, uh, the effect of the praise in verse 22 and 23 it says that they began to sing and praise the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated the Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them after they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir they helped to destroy one another do you understand what's going on here God confused the armies the enemy armies and they turned on themselves and they destroyed each other now what is Israel what are the Israelites doing watching they're praising they're not doing anything else but to watching and praising God that's the power of thanking that's the power of expecting that's the power of praising here's a question for you what battles are you in right now the ones whose odds are against you the ones that are keeping you up at night the ones that are stressing you out the ones that are saying I can't go on like this the ones that you want to throw in the towel and say I quit when are you going to start thanking God after it's solved because that's gratitude are now during the battle that's faith now if you keep reading the story it takes the Israelites three days to carry off all the plunder three days to carry off all the spoils of war then on the fourth day you know what they do they have a party they have a worship service like no other worship service and you know what's so amazing when Christians act the way they're supposed to act the world takes notice let me continue reading verse 29 and 30 it says the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was what was that peace for his God had given him what rest on every side wouldn't you like to have that in your own life 
Wouldn't you like that to be true in your life? To have peace and rest on every side? The family side, the career side, the financial side, the social side, the physical side, peace and rest on every side. Well, how do you get there? First, turn to God. Go directly to God and say, God, I need you. Second, talk to God. Third, be transparent with God. He already knows your heart. Be open, be honest. Fourth, trust God to help you. He loves you. How many of you have children? Who have children? Do you love your children? Yeah, you, you, you love your children. And your children can trust you, can they not? I've got two children. Let me tell you something. I love those kids more than anything in the world, sometimes too much. And do you think those children can, can trust their father? Well, sure they can. Let me tell you something. God loves you infinite times more. Do you think you can trust him? You better believe you can. He loves you. And once you do that, the fifth step, the final step is what? Thank God in advance for the victory. Let me pray. Father God, I, I just want to be real this morning. Father God, it seems like too many times that we, we come to church and we act like we have it all together and the truth be known, Father, we don't. Father, you know our hearts. You know our situation. You know what's going on in our lives, God. Every single one of us are fighting battles at some point or another. But Father God, I know how much you love us. And Father, your desire is for, for every one of us to just turn to you, talk to you, be transparent, trust, and then thank. Father God, I pray right now that we're authentic, we're genuine, we're real. God, forgive us where we try to do on our own. We know we're going to fail time and time again until we learn just to trust you. So, Father God, you know our hearts. God, I pray that we just turn it over to you. And Father, some of us in here may be, may be saying, hey, I don't understand really this whole trusting God thing. I, I, I don't even know who God is. I want to know, but I don't know. Well, God, it's pretty simple. All you have to do is just admit you're a sinner and turn away from that sin. We know that God's word says we all sin. We all fall short of God's glory. And Father, we got to believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, left the perfect place, left heaven, to live on this earth, lived a perfect life. Why? To take our sins away, to die on a cross. But Father, that's not the end of the story. Jesus was resurrected. We worship a risen Lord. Last thing we have to do is just commit. Just commit our lives to you. Confess that you're Lord of our lives. Father, all we have to do is say, hey God, we want to put you first in everything that we do, or at least attempt to. Once you've done that, you just say, Lord, come into my life. Come into my heart. I want to trust you. 
You know, there may be somebody here today that says, you know what, I want to do that. I feel God tugging at my heart. I don't have that relationship with God, or I'm not even sure if I do. Well, you can be sure today. Just pray this prayer silently. Just pray it to yourself. God hears it. God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I do believe Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. He took my sins away. He took my sins past, present, and future. God, I want to live for you. I want to commit my life to you. Please, Lord, come into my life. You know, some of us in here, well, they just need to recommit their lives. They're going through battles, and they're, they don't know what to do. They're at their wit's end. They don't have a clue. Father, one of the greatest promises in the Bible is I'll never leave you. I will never, ever leave you. I'm there. I'll never forsake you. Well, sometimes we don't feel your presence. We need to just say, Lord, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of running. I want to live for you. If you prayed that prayer, God's word says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. What an amazing promise. You're saved. And if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. I'll be down at the front in just a few minutes. I would love to talk with you, love to pray with you. Father God, we love you. We trust you. Thank you, Father. Amen.